Hey everyone, this is Jaron Hollis with the Believer's Church. I'm so happy that you're here today. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this message. I pray that it inspires you, it challenges you, and it helps you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy. Good morning, Believer's Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Come on, you can do so much better than that. How are you doing this morning? It's good to know that you're awake. I know it's cold, isn't it? It's cold, that cloudy weather. But the Lord has blessed us with sunshine today, has he not? Thank you, Lord. We are going to make it out of these single digits in Jesus' name. We're going to get into those double digits. I'm just happy to be in the 20s, right? It's good. Well, how many of you guys are thankful for this church? How many of you all are thankful for this worship team? And it's not about a product, really, it's not. It's about a a group of people that are committed to ushering us into the presence of God. It's an art form, really. It's a gift. It's a calling. And everybody, as a part of the body of Christ, you guys know that this is a body, right? So we say things that are strange, right? Like, Like, let's get up and let's go to church today, right? And what most people think when we say, hey, let's get up, let's go to church. It's Sunday, you got to go to church. What does that mean? You get up and you go to a building, right? I want you to look around. Look above you. You see production. You see lights. You see the beautiful wood ceiling. You see the structure week in, week out. Some of you have been coming here for a couple weeks. Some of you have been coming for a couple months. Some of you have been here for over 20 years, right? This is what you think of as church. But I want you to look at the person next to you right in the eyes and say, This is not the church. We are the church. Do this. Come on. Get a little bit of this action in there. Get sassy with it. Say, we are the church. This is what the word of God says. That God, instead of dwelling in a temple, instead of dwelling in a meeting place, instead of dwelling in or above a tent out in the middle of the desert amongst the Hebrew people, instead of being in a synagogue or in a temple or in the Ark of the Covenant, God in the New Testament said, you know what, instead of being in a place or a building, I want to live and be in you. You are a mobile temple of the living God. And the Bible says a whole lot about what we can do alone, but it says even more about what we can do together, right? This is a place of community. This is a place of bonding. This is a place of friendship. But how many of y'all know it doesn't always work that way? Sometimes it can be a little hard to get to know the people around you in church, right? We can treat this like a ball game. We can treat this like a movie theater, can we not? You can come in, people, I hear people say this kind of stuff all the time, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just coming to get fed, right? This is, this is a family, not a restaurant, right? (laughs) Okay, we got, we got five people that are awake in this church. They read their Bible. They know, right? All right, I'll get to it. We need each other, don't we? We really do. There's this ancient song that goes, you got a friend in me, you got a friend in me, when the road looks tough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed, just remember what your old pal said, boy, you got a friend in me, yeah. 
I didn't write it. Hey, y'all, that's going to be ancient history pretty soon. They're going to be like, I remember in this work of art called Toy Story from the 90s, y'all. Look at the person next to you and say, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. We need each other, don't we? We really do, whether we like it or not, but not everybody feels that way. I went to a concert. It was more of a worship event. If you've never heard of Maverick City Music, they're an awesome worship team. Uh, We do a lot of their songs here. Churches all over America do their songs. We went to Southeast Christian, a group of friends from the worship team, people that go to church. We went to Southeast, and we went to this worship event, this worship concert, and how many of y'all know when you go to events like that, there's a lot of sitting and waiting for the event to start? So I like to do a thing that I call, and most of us call, people watching. I love people watching because I think people are interesting, unusual, and it's just entertaining to watch how people move, how people walk. Have you ever noticed how people just have different walks? Some people walk with their toes inward. Some people walk with them outward. Some people walk really straight. Some people do one of these at the end of every step. People are unusual, so I like to people watch. Well, somebody came, two women came, and they sat down behind me before anybody was really there. It was just, we were really early, so two women came and sat right behind me, and they were sitting there, and they started talking, so instead of people watching, I started people listening. I know I shouldn't have been, but I was listening, and they started talking about what was going on in their life, what was happening, and they started, list, they started listing off all the stuff that was new, all the stuff that they'd kind of been through, and then one of the ladies started talking about this new church that she was going to, and the friend was like, oh, how is it? Are you enjoying it? Are you liking it? And she was like, yeah, but they keep trying to invite me to their small groups. And if they think I'm joining a small group, they got another thing coming because I don't go to church for friends. I go to church to get God. Right? I'm like, this woman hasn't read the New Testament. (laughs) A lot of us feel that way sometimes, don't we? But what did Jesus say about needing each other? He said a whole lot about needing each other. Whether we want to read those words and accept those words or not, he said a whole lot about getting close to one another and relying on one another and serving with one another and praying for one another. We're going to go over a lot of these things today, but I want you to know, any any of you ever heard of the Pharisees? Okay, if you don't know who the Pharisees are and you're new to Christianity, the Pharisees, they were the religious elite group. They were, they were essentially, they were the pastors 2,000 years ago in, in ancient Israel, okay? But Jesus didn't much care for them, and they didn't care much for Jesus. It, it wasn't that Jesus didn't love them. It was just that Jesus didn't like how they were living. They said they were living one way, but the fruit that was coming out of their lives were completely different, And Jesus couldn't stand for that because guess what? They were representing him. They said, where are your guys? And he's like, but you don't look like my guys on the inside. And the fruit that comes out of your life doesn't look a whole lot like me. So he took issue with it. God manifest in the flesh, living among among us to show us how to live, how how to walk properly, how to act properly, how to talk properly, how to live in relationship properly, how to love properly. But they were always these Pharisees, these religious leaders were always trying to trap Jesus. And they often tried to trap him by his words. 
What do you say about this? What do you say about that? What do you say about getting taxed by Caesar? What do you say? What's the greatest law in all the laws that God has given to us? What's the greatest law that Moses wrote down? What do you say, teacher? You've said some wise things, but what's the greatest law? And Jesus comes back with this brilliant answer. He says, listen, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and also number one. Wait, what? (laughs) Number one also is love your neighbor as yourself. The two cannot be separated. Listen, I go to church to get Jesus. I just don't want the people. You can't do it. You hearing me? All right, teacher, that's pretty good. Pretty, pretty smart, Jesus. Jesus said we need one another. What's really interesting about the Bible is when you go from the New Testament back to the Old Testament, you start seeing reflections of everything that Jesus teaches woven throughout all of the beginning of the book. Everybody's heard of Genesis, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Whether you're a Christian or not, you know those words. It's like written into the DNA of our society. In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created everything that was. He made the sun. He made the moon. He made the stars. He made the solar system. He made the day and night cycle that tells you when to wake up and when to go to sleep, your circadian rhythm. He made the sky, and he made all the birds that fly through the sky. As much as you hate them pooping on your car, he made them, right? He made the land and every single creature and nasty critter that you have to apologize to Jesus for killing when you smash them in your house. He made all of it. And he looked at it and he said, it was good. And he made the ocean and he made all the creatures that dwelled within the ocean that we know. And he looked at it and he said, It is good. He made all the trees, all the plants, all the fruit, all the mountains. He made all this beautiful scenery. He made everything that is, everything that was, everything that ever will be. He made it, and he looked at it, and he said it was good. And then guess what happened? He took the dirt, and he formed mankind, you and me, Adam, and he formed him up. And then he breathed the breath of life, the thing that only God can do, into his nostrils. And he made him, and he gave him a name, and he gave him a job, and he said, name all the animals. And he stepped back and looked at Adam all alone, and he said, it is not good that man should be alone. And so he made women to keep us in our place, right? right. No, he, he didn't want us to be alone. He knew. I'll get to you. I'll get to you. He, I was designed with you in mind. You were designed with me in mind. And whether we admit it or not, we need each other. The title of this message is really simple. It's really cheesy. It's really cliche. But it is true. At the core of truth, the beginning of the book starts with it. 
We just want Jesus and we don't want people, but that's not the way it works. So I'm here today to tell you that you complete me. You complete me. We need each other, don't we? We were designed with each other in mind. That's how we live. That's how we flow. That's how we find purpose. That's how we partner up and discover what we can do together that's greater than just ourselves. Ooh. God didn't make you to be some holy, unfeeling robot, right? He created you to have relationships. Step away one more time. I'm going to get through this, I promise you. But, like, we really value independence here in America, don't we? Like, I really hit men hard last week talking about, like, oh, I don't need anybody else. I'm an alpha male, right? (laughs) Right? I'm a lone wolf. Women, you got it coming, too. I've heard your song, All the Women Who Independent. Right? I, I've heard your song. I know. We all have our own ways. We value it. It's literally, it is written in a document that helped us lay the foundation of this country. It's called the Declaration of Independence. Right? We highly value being self-sustaining, unneeding. I don't want to be. If I ask somebody for help, I, you know what? I'd rather not ask anybody for help because I don't want people to think I'm not smart enough. I don't want people to think I'm not good enough. I don't want people, you know, maybe you're not that way. Maybe it's not pride. Maybe you just care too much about people and you say, I don't want to be a burden. May, oh, it's like you read the book. You know. These things that we say, it comes out of the fruit of who we are and what we really believe in. We really value independence, but the question is, is how much does God value that independence? I want to take you to some of the the teachings in the New Testament. Anybody here heard of Paul, the Apostle Paul? Okay, if you don't know who Paul was, before he was Paul, his name was Saul. God is always in the business of changing people's names and identities. Whenever God encounters somebody, he changes their name and he changes their function. He tells them who they truly are and he sets them on a new path. Right? That's what God does. He's in the business of doing that. But if you don't know who Saul is or the Apostle Paul, Saul was the Hebrew hitman. Did he write a whole bunch of songs? No, 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 no. He was a headhunter, right? Dog the bounty hunter had nothing on Saul. Like this guy, he would go after and he would put people on trial. His number one job was this. If you profess to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, you deserve death. So as a Jewish leader, spiritually, as a Pharisee, he would spend his days tracking people down, figuring out if they were living in house churches, if they were professing faith in Jesus Christ, then he would have them hung, crucified, or stoned in Stephen's case. To death. That was his claim to fame. That's why people knew him. That's why Christians feared him. But Saul had an encounter with a guy named Jesus Christ. Jesus appeared before Saul. He blinded his eyes and set him on a new path and said, instead of Saul, you're going to be called Paul, and this is what you're going to do. You want to know what that guy wrote? 
the guy that was all about tearing apart and destroying the body of Christ, you want to hear what he had to say about the body of Christ? Watch this. Ephesians 4 says this. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, you and me. Not this building, not this architecture. This could build, this building could burn to the ground and the church would still exist. What does Jesus do, Paul says? He says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. I'm going to read that part again because it's so good. Each part does its own special work. As you function the way that you are called and meant to function, while you're connected to the body of Christ, you cause other parts of the body of Christ to grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So here's my question. What happens when you don't show up? What happens when you disconnect? What happens when you refuse to play your part? What happens when you don't discover your purpose? What happens when you refuse to enter in to your identity that Christ is trying to give you? Paul could have done it. He could have walked away, but he didn't. And that man spent his life building this church that we're discussing today. Man, when you show up, think about that. When you show up, when you play your part, other people grow. We need each other. I'm incomplete without you playing your part. And I know I've read this scripture a couple times. Hebrews 10, 25 says this. Don't stop meeting together with other, uh, other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. How many of y'all know we're letting our devices replace relationship today? I'll keep moving. Instead, encourage each other. As you see the day of Christ's return drawing near. So today we're going to talk a little bit about community. We're going to talk again about small groups and why meeting together consistently and learning how to connect to the body and learning how to play your role makes all the difference It can make all the difference in your life. I want to talk about what you are going to experience, how you're going to grow, what could happen potentially in your life if you consistently connected to the body of Christ. Is this good? You all right? You guys ready to dig in? All right. So first, I'm going to start, I'm going to kind of make some points and I'm going to try to do this in block form. So if you're a note taker, just know that we're going to kind of go through this in chunks and then we'll flow from little, little chunk to little chunk and we'll, we'll get through this. So keep tracking with me. Uh, so number one is this, it's not numbered, but I'm just going to say that for me. Uh, I connect to the body of Christ in a small group. Look at your neighbor and say, I connect to the body in a small group. So this is so important to understand. And I know that you might not think that the Bible talks about small groups and meeting together, but it does because the New Testament church was made up of small groups, people meeting in house to house daily, 10, 15, 20 people. The problem is, is when our congregations grow so large and you have one person at the front of the room doing all the talking, when you, 
when you have a group of people doing all the worship, instead of connecting and contributing, we can turn into consumers. Right? This is why small groups are so important because you have something to bring. You have something to contribute. You have something that you can do that nobody else can do. And if you are not bound together with the rest of the body, you can't do it, right? There's only one way to be the body of Christ. Let me show you real quick. 1 Corinthians 12 says this. Together, you are the body of Christ. Each of you, or each one of you, is a part of that body. Hear me. There is only one way that you are the body of Christ. It's that first word. When you are together. But we live in a day and age where it's really easy to be apart. It's getting easier and easier to wake up, go on your way to work, go through your job, come home, pull into your garage, hit the button, boop, shut the door, turn on your TV, right? Why is this happening? Why is this getting easier? I think the reason why this is getting easier is because we're being tricked. We're being fooled. We live in a hyper-connected world, do we not? Everybody is more connected than we've ever been. And somehow we're more disconnected than we've ever been. What's going on? How has this happened? I feel like I'm going crazy. Do you guys remember when all this started? You guys remember MySpace? You remember? This was a big deal. Like I could have my own song on my own page that represented me. And then I could tell the world who my top eight friends are. Man, wars were started over the top eight friends list. Like, if you fell off that list, (laughs) you would get a text message or a phone. Hey, is everything okay? (laughs) Then comes Facebook, right? Y'all about to feel really old. You ready? I'm about to feel really old. You know when Facebook started? 2004. It's almost 20 years old, y'all. Facebook, and we wonder why Gen Z isn't on it. It's been around a lot longer than they have. It wasn't called Facebook. It was called The Facebook. I remember. And it was interesting because you started becoming more connected than you'd ever been to people around you. You got to know information about their life more than you'd ever known. It was like, oh, man, you guys remember how this went? It was like you could show people what you had for lunch. And it's like, huh. Travis, I I know what he ate for lunch today. This is so cool. That looks delicious, man. And then you could tell people, do you remember this? You could tell people how you were feeling. What was your mood for the day? Right? It was a big deal. And then you could play Farmville together and build a farm. Right? My grandma loved Farmville. Some of y'all still love Farmville. And something weird happened where we started getting more and more and more information in people's lives. And somehow, simultaneously, we became less involved in people's lives. And that's the trick, right? 
That's the trick, is we feel like because we're informed about somebody's life that we're involved in their life. But just because we're informed doesn't mean we're involved. Just because I know what's going on in your life doesn't mean I've touched your life. Right? This is the thing that we're buying into, and we wonder, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel aimless? Why do I feel purposeless? Why do I know everything about everybody's life, but I feel like I'm not in anybody's life? It's called simulated relationships. You can... You can know everything about what somebody's eaten. You can know everything about what somebody thinks. You can know how somebody feels. You can see their highlight reels. You can see all the beautiful places that they went on vacation. Never say a word to them. You know what that's called? That's not called friendship. That's called stalking. Information is not involvement. I've got to be connected to the body of Christ. If I'm going to make a difference, if I'm going to touch somebody's life, if somebody's going to touch my life, I have to get close enough. We've got to be, it's not about information, it's about intimacy. That's when things happen, that's when things get done. Whew. So the body has to be connected to work properly, right? let's get super practical. Your body has to be connected for you to function properly, right? I, uh, when I was younger, I, um, I like to play lots of video games. I like to sit at the computer a whole lot. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you're a Hollis, Dad, I'm sorry, I know you're on vacation, you're watching this, I, he gave me my beautiful skinny bird legs. He gave me these things. In 2024 is going to be my year, y'all. I'm going to squat these things. They're going, to, they're going to grow, I believe. They are going to be connected to each other, and they're going to function properly. But when I was younger, I would sit down at the computer. I would sit, and I would play video games. And sometimes I would cross my legs. Sometimes I would sit on my legs like this, right? This is going to maybe gross some of you all out, but when I would sit down, sometimes when I would try to get up, my leg would pop out of socket at the knee. This happened 16, 17, 18. It happened over and over and over, and I don't know if you know this, but that's painful. It hurts, and I would be, sometimes I would be home alone, and I would have to pop it back in place myself, or I would have to sit there for hours and wait for my parents to come home, or I would have to grab it and pull it until it just back into place. What I found out really quickly is that when my leg was disconnected or not properly connected, it didn't function properly. So I would do this around the house. Interesting thing is, is I could look down and I could still wiggle my toes, right? Still kind of functioning. It's still kind of doing the thing, but it's not fulfilling its purpose, right? It's not, I can't walk on it. I can't rely on it. It's not living to its fullest potential. And so many of us expect to be disconnected from the body and fully functional at the same time. We expect to be out of place but in the will of God. And you can't do it unless you are properly connected to the body. Whew. How many of you all want to fulfill your potential to the fullest? 
Our book that we follow says the way you do that, the way you function fully and properly is by being intimately connected, seeking out the fullness of unity with the body of Christ. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. You're going to get it one of these days. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep teaching. You're going to get it, and it's going to change your life. It's going to wake you up. It's going to be good. All right, number two, we'll move on from that. I understand the Bible better in a small group, in relationship with other people. This is so important because this is dissemination of information. In other words, I'm teaching, I'm preaching, I'm talking, I'm giving you lists. If you're a good student, you might even get out a notepad or your phone and start taking notes so that way when you go home, you can remember it. But the problem is with this, we would be here for three or four hours if we stopped every time somebody had a question. Oh, what did Moses mean when he said, oh, we don't have time for that. What did, what did Paul mean in the original Greek language when he said, blah, 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 oh, well, we can't, we'd be here all day. And then you all would be really mad at me because you wouldn't get your lunch, right? So we, we have to understand that you can't have a conversation with a crowd. But you can have a conversation with a small group of people. You can stop in the middle of a Bible study or a book study and ask questions, or share your story, or share your knowledge, or your revelation that you, when you were going through your trial, when you were going through your situation, when you were struggling with depression, and God revealed his truth through scripture to you in that circumstance, you can deliver that to someone else. It's really hard to do it in this setting. That's one of the reasons why we do small groups. So one of the things that you're going to experience, if you get involved in a small group, you're going to understand the Word of God better than you have ever understood it before. 1 Corinthians 4, 30 uh, through 31 says this, or 14, 30 through 31 says this, uh, take your turn, no one person taking over. Dear Jesus, help me in my small groups. I like to talk, y'all. I don't know if you noticed this. It's kind of one of the things that I do for a living. Uh, take your turn, no one person taking over. Then each speaker within the context of a smaller group, this is what they did in the early church, small groups of people meeting house to house daily. Then each speaker gets a chance to say something special from God, and you all will learn from each other. Listen, a lot of my information that I get a lot of the revelation that I experience, I don't want you to have any misconceptions. You think that I just get it direct download from God sitting in a room alone all the time? No, I'm talking to some of the best, brightest, some of the most seasoned people in this church, and I'm asking them questions. Right? So, when you're in a small group context, you have the ability to learn from other people, to listen to other people, to, to gather some of the wisdom from, of, of where they've been. There's a, a man that goes to church here. His name is Larry Oaks. If you've never met Larry Oaks, you are going to love Larry Oaks. Sometimes he wears a bow tie. He sits over there. His wife, Faith, uh, Larry doesn't talk enough, but Faith does all the talking for both of them. She's watching. She's going to kill me after she watches this online. <laughs> I love you, Faith. Don't hurt me. Larry is a quiet guy. And when I think about Larry, though, I've come to know Larry because Larry and I have been in quite a few small groups over the last two years together. We're often studying books. We're studying the Bible. We're talking about different things. And I, Larry has gone from just being Larry Oaks to Larry the Library. 
Because Larry used to be a teacher, and he reads like nobody's business. You ask him how many, how many books he's purchased, and he owns on his Kindle. It's ridiculous. So if I ever want to know what books to read, guess who I go ask? Larry. And when I figure out what books I don't want to read, guess who I ask? Which ones to avoid? He's like, ah, oh, that book right there, I read that two times. It definitely wasn't good the first time. It was worse the second time. Don't read that one. But this one on the will and purpose of God, I've read seven times. This one's going to give you a lot of good stuff. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. And there are these interesting times where we're in our small groups together where we're talking, and I'm talking. Lord knows I'm talking. And I'm asking people questions, and we will get closer to the end of the evening, because Larry doesn't talk a lot, I'll open the floor to Larry, and I'll say, Larry, what do you think? And no matter what we're talking about, no matter what the discussion is about, no matter what the topic is, Larry always has like a five, six, seven word wisdom bomb that he just drops, and we're all like... (gasps) And that can only happen in the context of an intimate group of friends where we're having discussions and we're learning and we're growing. So you can understand so much more about life, so much more about the Bible, so much more about the trials and the tribulations that you're facing, whether you're dealing with anger, whether you're dealing with guilt, whether you're dealing with depression, anxiety, Can I just tell you, you weren't designed to deal with that alone. You were not designed to deal with that alone, not in any shape, not in any form. So in a group, you're going to learn a lot more, but you're going to experience a lot more wisdom from people in your group. Uh, The next one is this, that my prayers, my prayers become more powerful in a small group. Look at your neighbor and say, my prayers are powerful in the context of a group. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. No, no, no. We're going to go to the words of Jesus with this one. You guys ready? This is going to be really simple, really easy. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says this. I tell you, Jesus, right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God himself manifest as man. Man said this. I tell you that if two, not one, if two of you on earth agree about something and pray for it, it will be done. Interesting. For you by my Father in heaven. This is true because if two or three people come together. Right? You see in the pattern? You picking this up? Where two or three people come together in my name. They're following after me, and they're pursuing me, and they're discussing me, and they're, they're, they're coming together and living like me and living according to my words. Wow. Guess what? I'm there with you. Mm. Many of us want the power of prayer, but too many of us don't want the partnership of prayer. Right? We want to do it on our own. We say things like, I don't want to inconvenience anybody. You're not an inconvenience. Stop saying that. I don't want to be a problem. You're not a problem. Start saying that. You are my brother. You are my sister. Right? I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to take anybody's time. I don't want to. You realize this is what we were made for. Some of us, 
Maybe we just struggle with pride. Maybe we don't want people to know. We don't want to feel embarrassed. So what do we do? We get out the old-fashioned special unspoken prayer request. Listen, if you don't talk to me about it, if you leave it special and unspoken, I can't agree with you in prayer about what we're praying about. So sometimes you've got to get close enough, intimate enough, find the right people. Remember what we talked about last week. How do you identify good people? By the fruit, right, that comes out of their life. Learn who these people are. Get in a group with these people. Figure out who you can trust. See who's overflowing with love, joy, peace, kindness, not bitterness, anger, backbiting, and gossip. Right? Those are the things, the fruits, the thorns that tell you to back away. You find the people that are producing good, godly fruit... You get close to those people, and then you share and say, hey, can you pray with me about my grandmother? Can you pray with me about this overwhelming anxiety? Can you pray with me about this overwhelming stress? Can you pray with me over the fact that I've just, I'm 20, I'm going through life, and I feel absolutely purposeless, and I don't know where to, can you pray with me? Watch this. Yes, Take me by the hand. Let's pray together because Jesus promised us that when we do this together, when we, hey, hey, God, we're here, two of us, gathered together in your name. Will you meet us here? Will you answer this prayer? Is this good? Is this good? Listen, if you, if you struggled with intimacy with God, are you gathering with other people in his name? No, I just want to go to my prayer closet. I just want to be alone. I just want, he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, guess who's there also? I'm there as well. Whew, community is good, man. We've got we've to make, the disciples talked to Jesus. They saw him praying, did they not? They said, teach us to pray the way that you are praying because we've seen the Pharisees pray. We've seen the religious leaders of our day pray. We've all grown up singing the Psalms of David, learning the Proverbs. We've prayed our whole life. But when we see you pray, you pray differently. Teach us how to pray the way you pray. And guess what happens? Jesus says, watch this. Our Father. Do you know that you can't pray to God without addressing the fact that there are other kids that are his? right? We've got to get away from this isolated idea that we're supposed to do this alone, that if we're not strong enough, smart enough, individualistic enough, that's an American idea. That's not a kingdom of God idea, right? I'm not saying don't be self-sustaining. I'm not saying don't carry your own weight, but some of us are carrying too much weight, right? We're trying, we're trying to, we need to be trying to live in unity, not in isolation, all right? All right. But some of us, we're, we try to carry it all by ourselves. We're trying to carry it all on our own. And we don't need to, do we? We got one smart person in this room. We, we need to do this together, don't we? Yeah. There's something in us. It's so weird. It's so broken. It's so messed up. And we've got to figure out a way. We've got to start here, but we've got to let what we think and understand sink to here and know it. But we don't because the propaganda that's out there in movies, in television, in, in all of our music is it's, it's me, 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 I, 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 self-made this, self-made that, self-made millionaire, self-made billionaire. Listen, none of those people made millions and billions by themselves without hundreds if not thousands of people working underneath them, right? 
together with them. It's all an illusion. It's a fairy tale. It's something that we've bought into that's not good. It's not godly. It's not kingdom. It's not healthy. Whew. But if we would learn to lean on each other, we would learn something, wouldn't we? The next point is this, that I find relief. I find support in a small group. And I feel really bad for people that go through this life and they don't have a support system. That they're trying to buy into this lie and they're trying to do it all on their own. They actually believe that, that going through this life on their own, independently, isolated, in solitude, makes them strong. It doesn't make you strong. It makes you weak. How much more could you do where two or three or people are, are partnered with you, helping you make something or create something? Whew. I find relief and I find support in a small group. Galatians 6, 2 says this. This is, this is a command, right? This is something that we're supposed to do as followers of Christ. Help carry one another's burdens. You remember how I talked about the one another's? There are so many one another's that we cannot do in a crowd. We can come in, we can consume, we can pretend that that's connection, but then we can walk out and never touch one another, never love one another, never pray for one another. We come in and we have elevated this idea of intellect and memorization it's absolutely bonkers because we look at the words of Jesus. We have these things. If you're, not new, if you're new to Christianity, if you don't know what we do, we used to do this thing called Bible quizzing. Anybody remember Bible quizzing? We would memorize scriptures, and then we would hit a buzzer, kind of like a game show, to be like, eh. Be like, the word is I hid in my heart that I might not sin against the blah, blah, blah. And then we would quote the scripture, and they, everybody would clap, and somebody would get a trophy for memorizing God's word and hiding it in their heart, right? We do the same thing as Christians. We, I see people in comment sections on YouTube and Facebook all the time that are beating each other to death with the words of Jesus about theology and what's right and what's wrong. And so many of us are obsessed with memorizing the words of Jesus, but we're not actually obsessed with living the way Jesus lived. And that's what he wants more than anything for us to hear his words, hear his commands, that we are supposed to help each other, carry each other's burdens. Why? Why is this important to him? It's so important to him because it's what he did for us. He literally robed himself. God robed himself in flesh and carried a burden that none of us could carry. And he expects us to help other people carry their burdens the same way he helped us carry ours. And in this, when we do this, you will obey the law of Christ. I thought we were free from the law. I thought we just got saved and lived in liberty and freedom and peace, and we never had to do anything, and we just, we just slid right into heaven. Listen, I'm not, I'm not here to talk or debate about salvation, but God has some expectations for you as his follower, as his student, right? All right, I'm going to take a second. He is our rabbi. He is our teacher. He is our master. He is our Lord. He's not our theological worldview that we use to debate other people. 
He is our Rabboni. That means he is the one that we follow so closely that we should be covered in the dust of his heels. In other words, we see so much of where he's going and what he's doing. That's what, that's what students of rabbis would do back in the day. That was actually something that they said. It was a blessing. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. May you follow your teacher, your master, your rabbi so closely that you are covered in their dust, that you begin to walk like them, that you begin to move like them, that you begin to think like them, that you begin to talk like them, that you begin to act like them. Didn't Paul say, didn't it say in the New Testament, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus? Wouldn't the world be a better place if we had the mind of God? I'm convinced of this, and this is going to be a message at some point in the future, but if I had the mind of God, if I had the ears of God, if I had the eyes of God, if I had the mouth of God, if I had the heart of God, I would think the thoughts that he thinks. I would hear things the way he hears things. I would see things the way that he sees things. I would speak into situations and into people's lives the same way that he would. Where was I? (laughs) He's our rabbi. He's our teacher. Do we look like him? Do we think like him? Do we act like him? Do we sound like him? Do we live like him? Do we carry one another's burdens like him? This is what's awesome about a small group. You get close enough with people, you get intimate enough with people that you start supporting each other and you find support, you find relief. Galatians is so powerful. You should go through six and read the whole thing. Just if you have time today or tomorrow, go through and read all of that. It's going to blow your mind. Can I just show you an image that might help you get a visualization of what some of us are doing in this life when it comes to burdens? Go ahead and put it up. Real quick. Some of this, this is you, right? You are carrying way too much. And this, honestly, listen, this might be doable, but it's not sustainable, right? You might be able to do this. This actually looks like me trying to carry the groceries in whenever it gets here, right? Whether you go and you shop, like I'm a one tripper, right? Like I'm, it's cold. I'm only doing this once come in the house looking like this. But you don't want to do that all the time. But this is how we go through life, right? We carry way too much for way too long, and what happens? We get burnt out. And what do we do when we get burnt out? It's weird, right? We quit. And instead of leaning on people and getting closer to people and allowing other people to help us carry the burdens that we were never meant to carry alone, we quit. We back away, and instead of getting closer to each other, we isolate until we recuperate. You ever been in this pattern? You quit a job. You go to a new job. You quit church. You back out of a small group. You do it. You can't figure out what's going on, but you're just so worn out. You can't handle another responsibility. You can't handle any more people. You can't handle any more. So you go, and you sit on your couch. You veg out, and you watch a bunch of Netflix, and a month passes, and what? maybe you get on Instagram or something, and you see a motivational post. That you had the right breakfast that morning, and you're like, all right, here we go. 
life's not so bad. I can do this again. And you start picking up everything that you just sat down that you were never meant to carry alone because you're not living in right relationship with the people around you, not taking the time to identify what things you were meant to carry by yourself and what things you were meant to let other people carry with you. So, real quickly, Lord bless you. She's coming to the altar, y'all. So, I always like moments like this. How many of y'all, don't make her feel embarrassed. Make her feel welcome. Come on. Right? It's a beautiful thing to have young kids in church, young families in church. I'll, I'll never punish something like that. You're welcome here in the house of God. Uh, I'm going to tell you a couple stories really quickly about small groups. Um, I shared these stories not too long ago, but I'm going to share them again. There was a, there was a guy, and, and musicians, you're, you're more than welcome to come, and that'll let everybody know that I'm going to close three more times, right? Um, so, as a pastor, I make a lot of hospital calls. I make a lot of visits to people. It's a part of the J-O-B, right? The part of the job description. So I went and I visited um, somebody in church. And let me be honest. These people were cranky. This guy was cranky. We're going to call this guy Jack. His name was not Jack, but we're going to call him Jack. I went and visited Jack. And I showed up to the room. And he was sick, but he was on his way to getting better. And I sat down in the room. And I was like, hey, how you been? Not good. Well, obviously not. I shouldn't ask that question. Stupid question. You haven't been good. Are you, doing, are you getting better? Kind of. Well, your health is all right, right? Yeah, heading in the right direction. But I'm hurt. Well, why are you hurt? Nobody cares about me. Oh. Why? Nobody called. These last three weeks I've been sick. Nobody checked up on me. Nobody came to visit me, all of which I found were untrue. He just didn't get calls from the people he wanted to get calls from, right? Kind of like teenage girls with clothes. I have nothing to wear. (laughs) You mean you don't have anything that you want to wear? Nobody called me. Nobody checked in on me. Nobody loves me. Well, Jack? I'm here. Well, you have to be here. I don't know about that, buddy. I don't much feel like being here right now. I didn't say that. That was the inner voice speaking. Give me the fruits of the Spirit, Lord. Right? Right. So I sat with him, and he kind of, complained and moaned and talked about how he'd been mistreated and nobody was loving him. And uh, I asked him a question. I said, Jack, this is going to be a tough question, but how many small groups have you been involved in at church in the last five years? He said, none. I don't believe in them. They're not in the Bible. Okay. You probably think that you only need to have a relationship with God and not people, right? That's right. Okay. 
I said, well, can I say something to you? And this might hurt, but I want you to hear my heart. I love you. I said, how can you expect people to want to show up and care about you when you haven't showed up and cared about anybody else? Ah. Don't try to figure out who Jack is, all right? Jack still comes. Jack is still disconnected. And I hope one of these days Jack wakes up to the fact that we need each other. On the other side, I have another story about another hospital visit because it's the job, right? I show up, there's a young woman in the hospital and she has COVID and I come to the desk. How many of y'all are a registered nurse or you know a registered nurse? You know, I love you guys, but sometimes you can be really defensive about your patients. <laughs> Too many people come to visit you. Oh, the truth is, is you know your patients need rest. Amen. Lord knows, like whenever, like whenever we had our second child, we went through the first time and we were like, if anybody comes, just tell them we're sleeping. Go away. I went and I walked up to the nurse's station and I was like, I'm here to see so-and-so. Um... I'm the, I'm the pastor at Believer's Church, and I, I want to kind of get in and see them. And she, this nurse, whipped around and looked at me, and she goes, How many pastors do you have? And I was like, just, There are just two of us, two real ones, right? Two official ones. I got a piece of paper in my wallet. Just so you know, that, that's, that's all kind of doesn't really matter. You're all ministers of the gospel, Right? But I'm one of the real ones. You got to let me in. I'm not letting you in. Okay. So I go around the corner like this. And then I peek around the corner like this. Right? And I wait until that nurse walks away. And then I go and I glove up and I robe up. I find the thing in the wall. And I sneak into the room. And I visit with the individual illegally. I don't know if nurses make laws. It felt illegal. I felt super cool. And I went into the room and I visited with this young lady who was getting better and better and better. And she said, you know, you're the seventh person that's come and seen me today. And I've just never felt more loved. And what I found out is that the six people before me all were part of her small group. Her friends. The people that she stepped out on a limb to get to know. And she found herself in a loving relationship where people came and checked on her and took care of her and loved on her. And how many of y'all know love can go a long way when it comes to getting better, right? Getting better and knowing that you're on, your up, on the up and up and you're coming out. There's a lot of studies around that that you should look into it. It's really, really cool. So the last point is this, is that I can serve someone else in a small group. And how many of you know as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, it is our goal to serve other people. I know that language seems alien. I know it's hard, especially as Americans. I don't serve anyone. I serve no man. I serve no woman. 
But I serve Jesus. And the Jesus I serve wasn't too big. At the Last Supper, right? To wash the feet of his disciples. He said, go get a towel. Go get a basin of water. Bring it here to me. No, Master, don't do that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. No, 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 listen. In my kingdom, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So let me serve you. Yes, even you, Judas. I know what's coming. But I'm not too big that I can't serve you. In a small group, we have the opportunity. Romans 15, 2 says this, that each one of us needs to look after the good of people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? How can I make a difference? How can I love them better? How can I live life better with them? How can I make their life easier? When I'm up here, do you think I'm doing this for an ego boost? No, I'm an introvert. This terrifies me. I have to work through a lot of stuff to get up here. But God has given me a gift, and with my gift, I serve you. And you have a gift. So let's go full circle. If you don't show up and you don't connect, what happens to the body? The body doesn't fulfill its purpose and you don't fulfill your purpose. Not to its fullest potential. Small groups are a great place to practice living like Jesus Christ. Where you can pray for one another. You can love one another. You can encourage one another. You remember what I said last week? That when we're in here and when we're just consuming and we're just listening, it's really, really hard to practice the one another's of the New Testament. There are over 30 in the New Testament. Other one another's. And the second you come and sit in a room and listen and walk out the door, you have avoided all of those one another's that you are called to fulfill. It's a great place small groups are. So put up that last graphic real quick, that last slide. And I know I did this last week, and you thought I wasn't going to do it this week, but I'm doing it this week too. I want to encourage you. Go ahead and stand I want you to stand so you can get the phone out of the back of your pocket. There's a QR code up here for a reason, and it's a really practical one. It's not overly spiritual. You have something that you're interested in. That could be running. That could be cooking. That could be studying. That could be, Travis, you're wearing a boot. Lord, give it up for Travis for wearing a boot and leading worship, guys. That's not just a really cool shoe. You can study a topic together. You can exercise together, all two of you. It could be a really, it could be a super small group, right? But here's what I would like for you to do. I would like for you to pray to God between now and next week when we launch the directory. Next Sunday is when we launch the directory. We don't start small groups until February, but we launch a directory. And I would like for us to launch the directory with your group in it. Why? Because I really believe that something is going to happen when you step up and provide a place for people to get connected, right? For people and their prayers to become more powerful. 
for people to find a place where they learn that they don't have to carry the baggage and the weight and the garbage and the scars of yesterday all on their own. I want you to provide a place. And we're going to provide the training. We're going to talk to you. We're going to teach you before we launch small groups how to host a group. And guess what? You don't have to run everything. You don't have to talk about everything. You don't have to know everything. If you're not providing a place where other people can't talk, where other people can't express, where other people can't just, if you don't just drop the script and have a conversation with somebody and get to know somebody, you're not doing small groups right. Provide a place where you can be known and know someone else. So I really want you to pray about this little QR code up here. I really want you to go to blv.life and sign up and register and create a space where you and other young women, other young men, other people that are young married, other people that have been married for a while, other empty nesters, other people that are bike enthusiasts, other people that are woodworkers, other people that want to study the word of God, other people that want to write songs, other people that want to play tic-tac-toe, other people that want to play board games. A guy, that's my friend, Damien, if you're watching second service, he was at first service. He said, hey man, I he's a, he's a comic book artist and he's said, I want to create a small group where I teach people how to draw. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. The thing about me and Damien is we can't go very long without talking about God. So while we might be drawing and we might be learning together, eventually we're going to start talking about our faith. And we actually talk about, Damien, I'm sorry if this goes out on the internet, but Damien and I have spent a lot of time talking about how in the world can I reach people with comic books for Jesus? Right? Whoa. So a part of our small group conversations are always, what's the next step? How do we grow in that area, right? These are things that you can provide. You can sign up to host. You can create a space, a space and a place where people can go through all these things, feel known, feel loved, be supported, grow closer to each other, actually fulfill their purpose as a part of the body of Christ. You can do it. I can't do it all. We are a body. The church is not this building. The church is you. And if you don't get together, well, we're not much of a church, are we? We're just a social club full of consumers. I want to pray over this, this idea, and I want you, uh, listen to me downstairs, please. Leave this up. Leave this slide up so that people can come to the front of the stage and leave it up here so that way people can come up and scan this QR code and register their ID or sit and just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to scan it. I'm going to open up the page. And even if I don't fill it out right away, even if I don't have an idea right now, I'll sit there with it and I'll think about it for five minutes. Would you give me that? Would you promise me that? That you'll do it. You'll, you'll scan it. You'll sit there. You'll think about it. You'll look through a list of ideas. All right. So let's pray really quickly. Lord, I'm asking you to touch our hearts and our minds. I want you to inspire us into true biblical community. Not this consumerism, not this isolation, not this forfeit, fake, facade community where we are informed about everybody's lives, but we're not involved in anybody's lives. We know that's pointless. We know that's empty, God. So inspire us to take a step towards biblical community. Let us resemble the New Testament church where we create spaces and places where people can be encouraged and lifted up and challenged and corrected and educated and, and, and supported and prayed with. God, let us be a church, a small groups, intimate groups of friends 
that are actively loving you and actively loving each other as your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, why don't you guys give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you all so much.